0: Chapter 66 of The Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky Translated by Constance Garnet This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tony Addison Chapter 3 The Schoolboy But Kolya did not hear her at last he could go out as he went out at the gate he looked round him shrugged up his shoulders and saying it is freezing went straight along the street and turned off to the right towards the market-place when he reached the last house but one before the market-place he stopped at the gate pulled a whistle out of his pocket and whistled with all his might as though giving a signal he had not to wait more than a minute before a rosy-cheeked boy of about eleven, wearing a warm, neat, and even stylish coat, darted out to meet him. This was Smurov, a boy in the preparatory class, two classes below Kolya Krasotkin, son of a well-to-do official. Apparently. He was forbidden by his parents to associate with Krasotkin, who was well known to be a desperately naughty boy. So Smirov was obviously slipping out on the sly. He was, if the reader has not forgotten, one of the group of boys who, two months before, had thrown stones at Ilusha. He was the one who told Alyosha Karamazov about Ilusha i've been waiting for you for the last hour krasotkin said smurov stolidly and the boy strode towards the market-place i am late answered krasotkin i was detained by circumstances you won't be thrashed for coming with me come i say i'm never thrashed and you've got Perespon with you yes you're taking him too yes ah if it were only zuchka that's impossible zuchka's non-existent zuchka is lost in the mists of obscurity ah couldn't we do this smurov suddenly stood still you see ilusha says that zuchka was a shaggy grayish smoky looking dog like Paretzwon couldn't you tell him this is zuchka and he might believe you boy shun a lie that's one thing even with a good object that's another above all i hope you've not told them anything about my coming heaven forbid i know what i am about but you won't comfort him with perezvon said smiroff with a sigh you know his father the captain the wisp of tow told us that he was going to bring him a real mastiff pup with a black nose to-day. He thinks that would comfort Ilusha, but I doubt it. And how is Ilusha? Ah, he is bad, very bad. I believe he's in consumption. He is quite conscious, but he's breathing. His breathing's gone wrong. The other day he asked to have his boots on to be led round the room. He tried to walk, but he couldn't stand. Ah, I told you before, father, he said. "'that those boots were no good. "'I could never walk properly in them. "'He fancied it was his boots that made him stagger, "'but it was simply weakness, really. "'He won't live another week. "'Hertz and Stuber is looking after him. "'Now they are rich again. "'They've got heaps of money. "'They are rogues.' "'Who are rogues?' "'Doctors, and the whole crew of quacks, collectively.' and also, of course, individually. I don't believe in medicine. It's a useless institution. I mean to go into all that. But what's that sentimentality you've got up there? The whole class seems to be there every day. Not the whole class. It's only ten of our fellows who go to see him every day. There's nothing in that. What I don't understand in all this is the part that Alexey Karamazov is taking in it, his brother's going to be tried tomorrow or next day for such a crime, and yet he has so much time to spend on sentimentality with boys. There's no sentimentality about it. You are going yourself now to make it up with Ilusha. Make it up with him? What an absurd expression. But I allow no one to analyse my actions. And how pleased Ilusha will be to see you. He has no idea that you are coming. Why was it? why was it you wouldn't come all this time smurov cried with sudden warmth my dear boy that's my business not yours i am going of myself because i choose to but you've all been hauled there by alexei Karamazov. there's a difference you know and how do you know i may not be going to make it up at all it's a stupid expression it's not karamazov at all it's not his doing our fellows began going there of themselves of course they went with karamazov at first and there's been nothing of that sort no silliness first one went and then another his father was awfully pleased to see us you know he will simply go out of his mind if ilusha dies he sees that ilusha's dying and he seems so glad we've made it up with ilusha ilusha asked after you that was all he just asks and says no more his father will go out of his mind or hang himself he behaved like a madman before you know he is a very decent man we made a mistake then it's all the fault of that murderer who beat him then karamazov's a riddle to me all the same i might have made his acquaintance long ago but i like to have a proper pride in some cases besides i have a theory about him which i must work out and verify kolya subsided into dignified silence Smirnov too was silent Smirnov, of course worshipped krasotkin and never dreamed of putting himself on a level with him now he was tremendously interested at colias saying that he was going of himself to see ilusia he felt that there must be some mystery in colias suddenly taking it into his head to go to him that day they crossed the market place in which at that hour were many loaded wagons from the country and a great number of live fowls the market women were selling rolls cottons and threads etc in their booths these sunday markets were naively called fairs in the town and there were many such fairs in the year paretzpon ran about in the wildest spirits sniffing about first one side then the other when he met other dogs they zealously smelt each other over according to the rules of canine etiquette i like to watch such realistic scenes smear up said colia suddenly have you noticed how dogs sniff at one another when they meet? It seems to be a law of their nature. Yes, it's a funny habit. No, it's not funny. You are wrong there. There's nothing funny in nature, however funny it may seem to man, with his prejudices. If dogs could reason and criticise us, they'd be sure to find just as much that would be funny to them, if not far more. IN THE SOCIAL RELATIONS OF MEN, THEIR MASTERS, FAR MORE INDEED, I REPEAT THAT, BECAUSE I AM CONVINCED THAT THERE IS FAR MORE FOOLISHNESS AMONG US. THAT'S A Rakitin's IDEA, A REMARKABLE IDEA. I AM A SOCIALIST, SMIROF. AND WHAT IS A SOCIALIST? ASKED SMIROF. THAT'S WHEN ALL ARE EQUAL, AND ALL HAVE PROPERTY IN COMMON. THERE ARE NO MARRIAGES and every one has any religion and laws he likes best and all the rest of it you are not old enough to understand that yet it's cold though yes twelve degrees of frost father looked at the thermometer just now have you noticed smuro that in the middle of winter we don't feel so cold even when there are fifteen or eighteen degrees of frost as we do now in the beginning of winter when there is a sudden frost of twelve degrees, especially when there is not much snow. It's because people are not used to it. Everything is habit with men, everything, even in their social and political relations. Habit is the great motive-power. What a funny-looking peasant!' Colia pointed to a tall peasant, with a good-natured countenance, in a long sheepskin coat, who was standing by his waggon, clapping together his hands in their shapeless leather gloves to warm them. His long, fair beard was all white with frost. "'That peasant's beard's frozen!' Colia cried, in a loud, provocative voice, as he passed him. "'Lots of people's beards are frozen,' the peasant replied, calmly and sententiously. "'Don't provoke him,' observed Smirov. "'It's all right.' He won't be cross. He's a nice fellow. Good-bye, Goodbye. Good-bye. Is your name Matvey? Yes, didn't you know? No, I didn't. It was a guess. You don't say so. You're a schoolboy, I suppose. Yes. You get whipped, I expect. Nothing to speak of sometimes. Does it hurt? Well, yes, it does. Eh, what a life! The peasant heaved a sigh from the bottom of his heart. "'Good-bye, Goodbye. "'Good-bye. "'You're a nice chap, that you are.' "'The boys went on. "'That was a nice peasant,' "'Kolya observed to Smirov. "'I like talking to the peasants, "'and am always glad to do them justice.' "'Why did you tell a lie, "'pretending we are thrashed?' "'asked Smurov. "'I had to say that to please him.' "'How do you mean?' "'You know, Smirov. I don't like being asked the same thing twice. I like people to understand at the first word. Some things can't be explained. According to a peasant's notions, schoolboys are whipped and must be whipped. What would a schoolboy be if he were not whipped? And if I were to tell him we are not, he'd be disappointed. But you don't understand that. One has to know how to talk to the peasants. Only don't tease them, please, or you'll get into another scrape, as you did about that goose. So you're afraid. Don't laugh, Colia. Of course I'm afraid. My father would be awfully cross. I am strictly forbidden to go out with you. Don't be uneasy, nothing will happen this time. Hello, Natasha, he shouted to a market woman in one of the booths. Call me, Natasha, what next? My name is Mariah, the middle-aged market woman shouted at him. I am so glad it's Mariah, good-bye. Ah, uh, you young rascal, a brat like you to carry on so. I'm in a hurry. I can't stay now. You shall tell me next Sunday. Collier waved his hand at her, as though she had attacked him, and not he, her. I've nothing to tell you next Sunday. "'You set upon me, you impudent young monkey. "'I didn't say anything,' bawled Maria. "'You want a whipping, that's what you want, "'you saucy jackanapes!' "'There was a roar of laughter "'among the other market-women round her. "'Suddenly a man in a violent rage "'darted out from the arcade of shops close by. "'He was a young man, not a native of the town, "'with dark curly hair, and a long pale face marked with smallpox, He wore a long blue coat and a peaked cap, and looked like a merchant's clerk. He was in a state of stupid excitement, and brandished his fist at Collier. "'I know you!' he cried angrily. "'I know you!' Collier stared at him. He could not recall when he could have had a row with the man. But he had been in so many rows in the street—' "'that he could hardly remember them all. "'Do you?' he asked sarcastically. "'I know you! I know you!' the man repeated idiotically. "'So much the better for you. "'Well, it's time I was going. Good-bye.' "'You are at your saucy pranks again!' cried the man. "'You are at your saucy pranks again! I know! You are at it again!' "'It's not your business, brother!' "'If I am at my saucy pranks again,' said Kolya, standing still and scanning him. "'Not my business.' "'No, it's not your business.' "'Who's then? Who's then? Who's then?' "'It's Trypon Nikitich's business, and not yours.' "'What Trypon Nikitich?' asked the youth, staring with loutish amazement at Kolya but still as angry as ever. Colia scanned him gravely. Have you been to the Church of the Ascension? He suddenly asked him, with stern emphasis. What Church of Ascension? What for? N- no, I haven't, said the young man, somewhat taken aback. Do you know Saboniev? Colia went on, even more emphatically and even more severely. What, Sabanieff? No, I don't know him. Well then, you can go to the devil, said Kolya, cutting short the conversation, and turning sharply to the right, he strode quickly on his way, as though he disdained further conversation with a dolt who did not even know Sabanieff. Stop! Hey! What, Sabaniev? The young man recovered from his momentary stupefaction, and was as excited as before. What did he say? He turned to the market-women with a silly stare. The women laughed. You can never tell what he's after, said one of them. What Sabarnieff is it he's talking about? The young man repeated, still furious and brandishing his right arm. It must be a Sabaniep who work for the Kutzmichops, that's who it must be, one of the women suggested. The young man stared at her wildly. For the Kutzmichoffs, repeated another woman, but his name wasn't Tripon. His name's Kutzma, not Tripon, but the boy said trypon Nikitich, so it can't be the same. His name is not trypon and not Sabon yet. It's put in suddenly a third woman who had hitherto been silent listening gravely alexey ivanitch is his name chisov alexey not a doubt about it it's chisov a fourth woman emphatically confirmed the statement the bewildered youth gazed from one to another but what did he ask for what did he ask for good people he cried almost in desperation. Do you know Sabaniev? says he. And who the devils to know who is Sabaniev? You're a senseless fellow. I tell you it's not Sabaniev, but Chisov. Alexei Ivanich Chitsov. That's who it is. One of the women shouted at him impressively. What Chitsov? Who is he? Tell me if you know. That tall, snivelling fellow. "'He used to sit in the market in the summer. "'And what's your Cheetsov to do with me, good people? I, "'How can I tell what he's to do with you?' "'Put in another. "'You ought to know yourself what you want with him, "'if you make such a clamour about him. "'He spoke to you. "'He did not speak to us, you stupid. "'Don't you really know him? "'Know whom?' "'Cheetsov. "'The devil take Cheetsov and you with him. "'I'll give him a hiding that I will. "'He was laughing at me. "'We'll give Cheetsov a hiding.' more likely he will give you one you are a fool that's what you are not cheats off not cheats off you spiteful mischievous woman i'll give the boy a hiding catch him catch him he was laughing at me the women guffawed but kolya was by now a long way off marching along with a triumphant air smurov walked beside him looking round at the shouting group far behind he too was in high spirits though he was still afraid of getting into some scrape in Collier's company. "'What, Sabarniev, did you mean?' he asked Colia, foreseeing what his answer would be. "'How do I know?' "'Now there'll be a hubbub among them all day. I like to stir up fools in every class of society. There's another blockhead, that peasant there. You know, they say, there's no one stupider than a stupid Frenchman, but a stupid Russian shows it in his face just as much.' Can't you see it all over his face, that he is a fool, that peasant, eh? Let him alone, Collier, let's go on. Nothing could stop me now, I am once off. Hey, good morning, peasant. A sturdy-looking peasant, with a round, simple face and grizzled beard, who was walking by, raised his head and looked at the boy. He seemed not quite sober. Good morning, if you are not laughing at me. "'he said deliberately in reply. "'And if I am?' <laughs> laughed Collier. "'Well, a joke's a joke. "'Laugh away, I don't mind. "'There's no harm in a joke. "'I beg your pardon, brother, it was a joke. "'Well, God forgive you. "'Do you forgive me too? "'I quite forgive you. "'Go along. "'I say you seem a clever peasant. "'Cleverer than you?' "'The peasant answered unexpectedly, "'with the same gravity.' "'I doubt it,' said Colia, somewhat taken aback. "'It's true, though. Perhaps it is. It is, brother. Good-bye, peasant. Good-bye.' "'There are all sorts of peasants,' Colia observed to smear up after a brief silence. "'How could I tell I had hit on a clever one? I am always ready to recognise intelligence in the peasantry.' In the distance, the cathedral clock struck half-past eleven, the boys made haste, and they walked as far as Captain Snegiryov's lodging, a considerable distance, quickly and almost in silence. Twenty paces from the house, Kolya stopped and told Smiroff to go on ahead and ask Karamazov to come out to him. One must sniff round a bit first, he observed to Smiroff. Why ask him to come out? Smiroff protested. You go in. They will be awfully glad to see you. What's the sense of making friends in the frost out here? I know why I want to see him out here in the frost. Kolya cut him short in the despotic tone he was fond of adopting with small boys, and Smirnov ran to do his bidding. End of chapter 66